Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello and welcome to the Haunted Estate Shaker Story. They call it Delivery 1877-260-3428 and visit us at the HauntedEstate.com. Hello, my beautiful listeners. Welcome back to The Haunted Estate here with your host. Yes, that is me, Selena Myers. I am so frustrated, guys. Um, When I went in to finish off my book, I ran into a bit of an issue. Um, I thought I had to buy an ISBN number, which I can still do for $125, which isn't terrible for, you know, getting your book out there. But um, Canada supplies them for free. So I applied for my ISBN. They're like, oh, it could take 10 days to get it. Well, guess what? We're on day nine and I still don't have my ISBN number. I had really planned on... Um, having that by now. I do have some good news. My book is going to be available at chapters at indigo.ca, which is going to be fantastic. So during this time, I've kind of been reaching out to different book outlets to really make sure that it will be out there. Um, So for this episode, since the book was supposed to be out by now, and I know some people were really anticipating it, I'm going to read you half of a chapter. Oh yeah, I mean like that. I'm going to read you half of a chapter So you can get a little bit of an idea. Um, It'll actually be good practice for me. I have been trying to record the audiobook version for a while, and I just keep getting really frustrated because I feel like it needs to be at a higher standard than just a podcast production. So keeping things super, super quiet. I'm almost to the point where I'm going to move my whole recording uh, situation to the basement. That way I won't have any, you know, mowing lawns in the backyard, anything like that. It's been really hard to isolate audio. And, you know, as we all know, I have three dogs, two birds, and a fish. So the fish doesn't make any noise, but the birds sing me beautiful songs. And the dogs like to call out to everybody in the neighborhood. Anyways, I want to also say to you guys, please, please, if you want the podcast to continue, please go to iTunes and leave me a review. I'm very happy to say that day by day, our downloads and stuff like that are going up drastically, which I really appreciate. But 
I need those ratings and reviews for iTunes to really notice me. So when people, if you research Haunted Estate, of course, I'm going to be the first one. But if you research ghost podcasts or haunted podcasts, sometimes I'm not even in the rankings. Um, So, you know, I want to continue this. I love the listeners that I have, but I really do want to grow the community. I'm not asking for money. If you do want to give me money, though, there is a donate at thehauntedestate.com. This is something that I do pay for completely by myself. Um, and that can be a little taxing sometimes. It's it's not a totally cheap thing to do, but I love to do it and I love to do that for you guys. Um, I had always looked into ways to make money off a podcast and that's kind of what my book is. Not only do I want to get my story out there for you guys so you get to know me better, I want to um, sell the book and that'll help fund the podcast. All the money will go back into that. And also, um, as I've brought up a couple times in the podcast before, um, recently in Woodstock in the past year, we have lost five teenagers under the age of 18 to suicide. So that second page in there is a semicolon. It talks about what the semicolon is about and how proceeds from each book will be donated. What I'm going to do is keep a tally of how many books sell and kind of take like 10% or 20% out of that amount and donate it to mental health services in Woodstock. I really just want to give back to the community. Uh, as somebody who did kind of go the suicide route when I was 15, um, I know that there weren't a lot of resources, but I do feel like it was taken a lot more seriously back then. Regardless, sorry for me blabbering on. I am going to find, I think I'm going to read you my chapter called Darkness. <coughs> it's uh, The Darkness. It's a pretty interesting one. I just have to scroll through. My book ended up topping out at exactly 200 pages. That's as of now. I'm not sure if I'm going to change the size of the page a bit, which might knock down the amount of pages. It just looks like it's a little small. Um, But anyways, uh, I put all the things together and snazzy and, you know. Anyways, let's jump right into it. This is a chapter called The Darkness. Oh, and I should also say, yeah, I'm not going to read you the ending, so you'll have to buy the book to get that. So anyways, stop talking, Selena. We'll keep talking, but not about this. I'm so weird, guys. I'm so weird. Okay. I met Pastor John in the fall of 2011. He had contacted me after reaching out to a parapsychology firm based out of Niagara Falls, New York. Three weeks before the phone call, he had been approached by two women on a search for answers. Now, they required my help. The two women this story is about are sisters that were enrolled at U of T. Both were in their second year. During the summer between their first and second, they woke up in the middle of the night to find their grandmother dead on the couch with her knitting needle still in her hands. The two girls were originally from North Bay, Ontario. Their grandmother was an exuberant, joyful lady She became even more ecstatic when she found out her precious granddaughters had gotten accepted to university. The grandmother quickly offered that they live with her as they did their schooling. The year went flawlessly, and their grandmother would pack their lunches as the girls would help the upkeep around the house. To the girls' surprise, everything was left to them in the will. Their grandmother had always wanted her granddaughters to have the best of everything, The home was located in a prime area of Toronto and was worth more than the girls could have imagined. Their parents thought the best thing to do was to sell the oversized house and get an apartment. All the money from the house would easily pay for all their schooling, cars, and then some. 
The girls knew how much their grandmother loved the home and the circular garden she took such precious care of. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. They were opposed to selling. The grandmother had put so much love into the garden. Twenty years ago, it had started as a five-foot expanse. But now the entire rounded lawn was lush with flowers and plants of every colorful species you could imagine. There was only a two-foot brick path up the middle, leading to a small circle where a lawn chair sat. The house was very dated and needed a lot of work. But the large square almost looked like something that would fit better into England, not Toronto. The kitchen looked over the garden. There was a bright green living room, complete with a glass table, unicorn knickknacks, and a tacky fabric-bound chairs. The other side featured a small den, bathroom, and an oversized sitting room that looked onto the gate and busy street beyond it. Upstairs, all four bedrooms and the bathroom were clad in the same floral wallpaper. The girls might not have been a fan of the decor, but to them, it was home. They say to this day that they've never felt as home as they did within those walls. Carrie was the older sister at the young age of 21. She was petite and stood about five foot. She had a quiet, kind demeanor, blonde hair and blue eyes, she was someone you would find very approachable. Her sister, Christina, at 20 years old, took more after her father. She was taller and darker in every way. Her hair was dark brown and hung halfway down her back. But her eyes were the brightest green I'd ever seen. The grandmother, after their grandmother had passed, the girls drowned their sadness with partying. They were trying to feel the opposite of the deep loss. Almost every night, the home was full of drunk college students. Each had both started ugh, experimenting with drugs almost every night. The house was really starting to reflect the state of the girls' minds. The carpets were dirty. The garden had overgrown into disarray. Christina had grown tired of the partying. She knew how disappointed their grandmother would be if she were alive. That afternoon, after all the prior evening guests had peeled themselves off the floor, she went to her sister's room. She had found Carrie asleep, completely covered by blankets. Carrie had always been one to sleep on top of the blankets, as anything made her uncomfortably hot, even clothing. She usually just walked the halls of the house naked. Christina pulled down the blanket to find her sister, with eyes completely open, naked, and with this bubbly rash all over her neck, arms, and in her thighs. Christina had screamed, but it wasn't until she shook her sister violently that life came back into Carrie's eyes. Christina started crying. She explained to her sister that she needed to smarten up and live, that things were getting too risky too fast. Carrie had sat up and quickly agreed that she too had grown tired of the endless nights with boys who had their way with them and had a bottomless supply of pills and alcohol. 
They knew that they were good girls, that they came from good people. Together, they wanted their lives to reflect the hard work that they had put in up to this point. The rash that covered Carrie's extremities had gotten larger as the day progressed. She couldn't stop incessantly scratching it. Christina grew worried, and the two sisters ventured to the emergency room. Sitting in the triage chair in front of the nurse, Carrie pulled up her sleeves and showed her her arm. The skin was free, clear, and unblemished. Christina grabbed her other arm, tearing up the sleeve again. Nothing. The girls apologized and left. They left the hospital shaking their heads. Carrie was just thankful that the rash was gone and cut it down to stress. The next days, the girls spent every hour of the sunlight taming the garden, cleaning the house to look as if their grandmother was still there. Collapsing on the couch at the end of the day, the girls could barely remember the last few months of their hard lifestyle, as if tidying the house had wiped the slate clean. They felt like the two shy, soft-spoken, women that they were when they got there almost two years ago. Later, Carrie had agreed to take the last bag of garbage into the kitchen if Christina promised to get a movie started. When the last of the title sequence had played and Carrie hadn't returned, Christina grew worried and called out for her. There was no response. Christina made her way to the kitchen slowly. She slipped her head around the corner and saw Carrie. She said her name again. No response. Carrie was standing in the middle of the kitchen, looking out the window that was swollen with the darkness outside. The garbage bag still in her hand. Christina rushed over to her, into her eyeline, and again called her name out loud. It didn't break her gaze. And more importantly, it didn't break the slew of words that were being whispered from Carrie's lips. The words were barely loud enough to be heard, but Christina leaned in and strained her ears. The words coming from her mouth were not English, but they weren't nonsense. It sounded like some kind of primal language. Whatever it was, Christina had never heard it before. She reached out and grabbed her sister's wrist hard, trying to break the trance she was in. The second she had touched Carrie, she snapped right out of the episode with an angry look on her face. Carrie quickly asked if the movie was on, and then walked and dropped the bag outside the door beside the window. The window that she was staring out of in her creepy trance. The window that looked over their grandmother's precious garden. Christina quickly explained everything that she had just witnessed. Carrie had been standing like a zombie, looking out the window, speaking in tongues. Carrie's only response was that her sister was lying, and for her to not make jokes like that. Christina knew that Carrie had taken her grandmother's death a lot harder than her. Christina had an understanding with death. At a young age, she had lost a best friend in a motor vehicle accident while Carrie had never lost anyone. When their 94-year-old grandmother had passed away, she was sad despite knowing it was going to happen at some point. She might have been the younger sister, but it hadn't come as a complete shock. 
Christina decided to just forget about it, but promised herself, if anything else happened, to call her mom. The next morning, Christina did her usual Sunday routine of showering, waking her sister up, and then heading downstairs to make coffee. She glanced up to see the sun coming in the window and then screamed as the hot cup of coffee crashed into the sink. The backyard garden was destroyed. Every plant and bush was ripped from the earth and thrown about as if a tornado had passed through the backyard. Within seconds, Carrie was by her side, speechless. The backyard was surrounded by a ten-foot fence with a locked gate, so there was no way for a person or large animal to get inside. The girls ran outside. While walking through the yard, Christina stepped on something that crunched, and then another. Lifting the plant, she found two crushed birds. She called to Carrie to grab her a garbage bag. The more flora she picked up, the more birds she found. She couldn't talk, and she didn't understand. She wasn't sure what upset her more. The fact that the, gra- that the garden her grandmother had tended to with so much love had been destroyed, or that maybe her sister was losing it? Maybe that she had something to do with this? Maybe she was all to blame? All she wanted right now was to clean this all up and forget. She kept finding more birds. It wasn't as if the birds had been crushed by wreckage. It was as if they were sleeping. In total, when they had finished, they had 13 dead birds and seven garbage bags of wilted plants. Carrie had suggested making a police report. But Christina knew in a city like Toronto, a ravaged or possibly vandalized garden wouldn't be too high on the list of priorities. Later that evening, Christina had finally placed a call to her mother, She told her about the rash, Carrie acting strange. About the events that had unfolded. Her mother assured her that the girls were under a lot of stress, that she would talk to Carrie. As to the garden, their mother amounted it to some neighborhood kids who had probably trampled the sleeping birds on their way out. This didn't make Christina feel any better. Since the day she found Carrie with the disappearing rash, she knew that there was more to this than met the eye. She had never been a fan of the paranormal, but had seen her share of scary movies to see how her life was starting to resemble one. After Carrie had spent an hour on the phone with her mother, the girl settled onto the couch with some Doritos. A Sunday night cartoon lineup added to the shimmering kitchen chandelier, which emitted a heavenly, warm glow. The kitchen went dark. The light switch clicked away the glow, and they were plunged into darkness. Carrie quickly paused the DVR, and both girls sat outlined by only its light from the TV screen. They both stared into the dark room when the sound of a million plates breaking erupted from the kitchen. It abruptly stopped as the light switched on, By this point, both girls were on their feet, Christina screaming. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. (laughs) 
Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Christina screaming and Carrie pulled at her cheeks in, to- in horror. Entering the kitchen, the girls found every cabinet was open and every dish was smashed on the floor. Even their dining room table was flipped upside down. The girls fled. They went to a motel a few blocks away and called their parents. Their mother answered their phone in an angry tone. It was obvious they had enough problems at home. Christina explained what happened, but her mother only laughed. Their mother assured them that there had to be some kind of logical explanation, and she would be there the next day to investigate the claims. She told Christina to go online, see if there had been a small earthquake. Christina hung up the phone knowing her mother wouldn't be a flicker of hope. She needed to take things into her own hands. Their mother made the trip from North Bay and met the girls at the house at 11 a.m. She sloshed through the glass in the kitchen in her four-inch heels and looked at the girls. Are you sure you didn't just have a party and want me to pay for new dishes because some asshole got rowdy? She accused. Christina could barely believe what just came out of her mother's mouth. Their mother had been less than lovable since she found out everything was left to the girls and not to her. She had racked up a pretty hefty debt from gambling over the last few years. To say she was excited to pay off that debt after selling the house was an understatement. When she found out her adult daughters got the inheritance, her plans had been squandered. She continued to laugh, but this time with hesitation. If you didn't do this, then I suggest you get a priest. Did you play with a Ouija board or something? The nerves were gone, and it was apparent she found her joke to be far more cleverer than it actually was. I don't know what to tell you, she continued. As long as you haven't been hurt, I wouldn't put too much thought into it. Sometimes you just need to ignore this kind of stuff, and it'll go away. With that, her mom was back on the road, and the girls were in the kitchen filling old boxes with mountains of broken glass. Christina and Carrie were both appalled that their mother didn't have more to say about the situation. They were overcome with anger that she simply didn't seem to care. Carrie and Christina shared a look of disappointment. How could something as petty as an inheritance warrant such apathy? That Tuesday, Christina found her way to the pastor's office. She marched in with determination, showing him pictures on her phone of the plants, birds, Carrie's rash, and the kitchen before even saying hello. The pastor himself had a 34-year-old daughter and felt so much sympathy for the girls. He promised to be by that evening to bless the house. He wasn't sure what he had believed in, During his decades at the church, he had seen so many strange and miraculous things. But he also knew that sometimes a simple blessing can settle whatever energy might linger. The evening approached much faster than the pastor expected. It was already 8 p.m. when he made his way up the five cement stairs to the address. Christina had left him. As he reached for the bell, Christina opened the door, with Carrie cowering behind her. She thanked him for showing up 
and both girls moved out of the doorway. The pastor could feel the fear emanating off the girls. He questioned himself for a moment on what he might be getting himself into. From the first glance, the home seemed clean, well kept and large. He had explained in the doorway that he would go from room to room, bless each area individually. Instead of starting with the main floor, he headed to the stairs, working from top to bottom. He moved from the bathroom to Christina's room, and then the spare room to Carrie's room. He took note as he entered the room that it was at least 10 degrees warmer. The room that looked clean and tidy in every way, but it had this slight undertone of a rancid garbage smell. The pastor opened his book, raised his right hand, which held a cross. As soon as he did this, the cross flew from his hand. It went soaring right under the bed, and his hand bounced into his body like a sandbag. He didn't say a word. He left the cross, walked down the narrow hall to the top of the stairs. He found Carrie was directly at the bottom, looking up at him. He described what had just unfolded as the redness went from his cheeks to his neck. He reached the bottom of the steps, but Carrie didn't move. He realized that she was still looking at the top of the stairs, and that she had never been looking directly at him at all. Christina rounded the corner and surveyed the situation. She reached out and took her sister's hand. Carrie instantly burst back into reality. She gulped for air as if she had just been fetched from near drowning. She collapsed onto her knees. The powers reached, and the pastor reached and stood her, asking if she was okay. Carrie replied that she had just sneezed. At this moment, Christina and the pastor's eyes met with understanding. The pastor asked the girls to meet them in the living room. They all took opposite seats from each other at the glass table. Carrie finally set back into a regular breathing pattern. The pastor started explaining that not all scary stories we hear are just make-believe. Sometimes, in rare situations, there was something beyond our control that could invade the lives of regular people. Carrie just stared at the table. Christina asked what they do next in a small, broken voice. The pastor told her that he had enough reason to believe what they were experiencing would only evolve and get worse. He promised to come up with a plan and call the girls within the next few days. He left them with a Bible, his phone number, and a crucifix. When he got up to leave, Carrie was still sitting in her daze. Christina rose to walk him out. When Christina and the pastor reached the front porch, he took the opportunity to explain that he thought whatever was going on in the home seemed directly linked to her sister Carrie. Christina shook her head. A pang of denial resonated within her. The next day was when I got the call. The pastor had used his connections to find me. He didn't want a psychic. He needed two very different and specific types of people. First, he chose me, and secondly, he called upon a man from upstate New York who had an extensive education when it came to parapsychology and demonology. When I first received his call, I was impressed that he was briefed not to give me any details. 
I ask not to be told details as I never want my subconscious to have any ideas when I enter a case. He only explained to me that this case entailed two young women, one single detached home, and that he was a pastor. And I would be working with another person from the paranormal field. He quickly asked as soon as I could come. I assured him I would be there the day after next. When I reached the house, I was greeted at the front gate by the pastor. He shook my hand, thanked me for coming out on such short notice. Then he commented that he was very surprised I was so young. We turned to the house when I felt a hand on my shoulder. I turned back to the pastor, seeing him frowning. Put on a good front when you go in there, he warned. At that moment, I felt nervous. I usually get some kind of feeling before I walk into a place. But this house felt like any normal family home. I quickly met Christina, shook her hand, and thanked her for inviting me into her home. With index cards in hand, I made my way to the family room, where I saw a couple of armchairs, a couch, and a large flat-screen TV. I took a seat on the couch, setting my eyes on the clock that hung above the doorway on the yellow walls. As my eyes adjusted... I could feel the familiar pins and needles that so often accompanied me when I made my connections. I could feel a mature female energy and could see an outline of a short, squat woman. She emanated only pure, loving energy. Next, in the kitchen, here, I picked up a strong smell of ozone and panic settled in my chest. As I walked on the floor, I heard the sounds of someone shuffling through the glass but as I looked down, I saw nothing. The light to the kitchen dissipated into night. I heard the muffled sounds of a yell. I turned back towards the family room that I had just come from. The room that was just free and clear, filled with a frightening negative energy. Dark gray and black fog was curling along the roof of the family room. I squinted my eyes as the gray was taking over my vision. I couldn't see the family room at all. I was blinded by the dark fog. I felt along the walls till I found the door. I turned back to look at the room, coughing. I saw where the darkness was pouring from. Over by the armchair was a dark black mass. And all around it, the blackness erupted and oozed like it was from an obsidian waterfall. A buzzing overtook my senses. My breathing tightened, and suddenly my ears were full of the sound of a thousand swarming black flies. I pressed the palms of my hands into my eyes as hard as I could, trying to snap out of it. I sensed that I could lift my head. I slowly pulled my hands from my face. The sweat dropped from my forehead onto my cheeks. My, my vision suddenly faded, and instead of an empty space where the darkness had come from, a tiny, young, blonde woman stood. Dun, dun, dun. That's all you get. Oh, what a great place to cut off. Aren't you curious what the hell happened in this house? What happened to Christina? What happened to Carrie? Guess you're going to have to buy the book to find out. Booyah! Hope you enjoyed that. Um, so I took a couple pauses. I saw some mistakes. I've had three people, uh, two people edit this story. Good Lord. Good Lord. Um, plus a note on that. My editor that I had that was really great and is from what uh, 
helps edit the Gazette at the Western University, just ghosted on me, hardcore. So I didn't hear from her for like a week. I ended up calling her, and she's like, yeah, I'll have it to you by Monday. Promise, I've just been sick, and she never did. So I'm um, kind of debating on putting her name out. I think that's kind of rude. I'm probably not going to do that. But shithead, um, thanks for fucking me over. Whoops, sorry, I didn't mean that. Anyways, got a different editor, great friend. Um, she went through everything. Uh, always stick with people you know. So I just want to say I love you guys. I hope you enjoyed that. This was a bit of a longer episode. Please tell me what you think. I want to hear about it um, right on my Facebook page. You can find that by going to thehauntedestate.com. It'll say join the conversation on Facebook. Do it. Have fun. Anyways, I will see you guys the day after tomorrow. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.